Let's read together Joshua chapter 20. Now in this chapter, we have the setting up of the six cities of refuge for cases of accidental death or manslaughter. Joshua chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally and did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. So they appointed Kedesh in Galilee, in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain, from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth and Gilead, from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Let's begin Joshua chapter 20 with some background notes. Back in Old Testament days, before the giving of the law, when a person was killed by another person, a near relative of the slain person took on the responsibility of getting revenge. In fact, this practice of blood revenge is still carried out by some Bedouin tribes in the Middle East today. When the law was given, God arranged for six cities of refuge. These cities became havens of refuge for people who had killed unintentionally or accidentally. Numbers chapter 35, these cities were commanded to be set up under the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, we have an example of an accidental killing. And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there, that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in time past, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. So the manslayer could run to a city of refuge and escape the revenge of the avenger of blood. The manslayer was safe in the city of refuge until his trial, as we see in verse 6 of Joshua chapter 20. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. If the manslayer was proven guilty of murder, then he received the death penalty, life for life. There was no refuge for the murderer, that is someone who had plotted and premeditated a killing. Because of God's high view of life, a person who intentionally took another person's life was worthy of death. The sanctity of life was upheld by capital punishment, then and today. 
But in the case of manslaughter, that is an accidental or unintentional death, the manslayer was safe as long as he stayed in the city of refuge. We see from verse 6 that he had to stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Then he could return home to his own house and city. Now, why until the death of the high priest? I mean, if you were in that situation, you'd better hope for an old high priest. <laughs> or you could be away from home for a pretty long time. In fact, you may die before the high priest died. Why this stipulation? Why until the death of the high priest? Well, I think there are several reasons why God had this feature as part of the law. Number one, the long time would certainly give time for the anger and emotion of the case to dissipate and subside. After all, if your child, for example, was accidentally run over by a runaway horse and cart, it might be quite a while before your urge to take revenge on the stupid driver subsided, right? Number two, knowing that you could lose your freedom for a long time if you were involved in an accidental death would certainly cause you to be more careful. I mean, you're going to make sure your axe head is firmly attached to the handle, for example. Number three, even though the death was accidental, the fact that the high priest must die before the case was fully resolved would certainly emphasize how serious all loss of life was in God's sight. You know, I think that's what's in view in Numbers 35, verses 31 through 34. Let's turn back once again. Moreover, you shall take no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. And you shall take no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. It's as if the high priest dies, you see, in the place of the one who shed blood unintentionally emphasizing the value of life, and maybe a picture of Christ who had to die even for wrongs that we have committed unintentionally. Now that brings us to our doctrinal points, and our two doctrinal points for this chapter have to do with the cities of refuge being an illustration of Christ, the true city of refuge. So doctrinal point number one, Christ, the true city of refuge, provides security from wrath. Christ, the true city of refuge, provides security from wrath. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, we read, We may have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Here the author of Hebrews draws upon the city of refuge as an illustration of the refuge we have in Christ. Refuge from what? Obviously the wrath of God. God is holy. We are sinners. We have broken God's law. The law of God is the avenger of blood, as it were. Do you see the picture? But Christ, the true city of refuge, provides security from wrath. Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. That Christ might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Do you understand the word propitiation? 
Propitiation refers to that which satisfies the wrath of a holy God against sin. The Lord Jesus made propitiation for our sins. Now we are free and secure from the wrath of God. So I think we see why the death of the high priest before the manslayer could go free is a significant part of the spiritual picture here. What a picture we have here of the gospel. What is very significant in this spiritual picture that the Lord has given us is that God in his mercy has put all mankind on the ground of manslaughter instead of deliberate murder. Remember, the Lord said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And do you remember what the Apostle Paul said to the philosophers at Athens? Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Let me just read that. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Do you see it? In the case of the Old Testament cities of refuge, the willful murderer was put to death. Only those guilty of manslaughter, that is accidental death, found refuge and freedom. But in Christ, the true city of refuge, all sins can be forgiven. The willful, intentional ones, as well as the unintentional ones. All a person has to do is to flee to the Lord, the true city of refuge. If you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian, you are outside the city of refuge and under the wrath of God. It's only a matter of time before you will be judged for your sins. John chapter 3, verse 36 says, And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Why not flee to the city of refuge and trust in Christ today? Then you can be secure from the wrath of God. How secure? Go back to Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read verses 18 through 20. We may have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now that's pretty secure. Our anchor is tied to Christ himself, who has entered the very presence of God as our high priest forever. Christ, the true city of refuge, provides security from wrath. Doctrinal point number two. Christ, the true city of refuge, is readily accessible. Christ, the true city of refuge, is readily accessible. You know that the six cities of refuge were located so that no one lived more than 30 miles away from one of the cities. Check it out on your Bible maps. Three were on the east side of the Jordan River. Three were on the west side of the Jordan River. The cities of refuge were readily accessible to everyone, including the alien or foreigner living in Israel. What a picture we have here of the gospel. Christ is the way of salvation. And he's readily accessible to anyone. Whoever will may come. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We come to the last chapter of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. And listen to what we read in verse 17. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. 
As the Old Testament cities of refuge were readily accessible to anyone, so Christ, the true city of refuge, is readily accessible. What about practical application? Let's be clear refuge signs for the unbeliever. Let's be clear refuge signs for the unbeliever. Jewish tradition says that all roads to the cities of refuge had to be kept in good repair and clearly marked. Road signs in large letters pointed to the cities of refuge. No person guilty of manslaughter could say that they got lost and couldn't find the city of refuge. No way. All the crossroads had clearly marked signs pointing to the cities of refuge. You see the application? We should be like those signs pointing unbelievers to Christ, the true city of refuge. You know, during times of crisis, people look for refuge. We can point them to Christ. When things are going well, your neighbors and your fellow students and people you work with, they don't want to hear about Christ. There's no need there. There's no crisis. But when times of crisis come, they look for refuge. You know, not too long ago, I counseled a young woman who had been raped. She was in a crisis situation. Well, I was able to point her to Christ. I don't think she would have been the least bit interested if it wasn't for the crisis. Let me ask you, do your non-Christian friends and neighbors, do they know they can turn to you in times of crisis? Are you a clear refuge sign that can point them to Christ? Let's be clear refuge signs for the unbeliever.